Hello and welcome to the Race FF Podcast. I am your host, Emma Garcia. And today we have somebody who um, I've been trying to get for a little while. Um, someone who's very well known, even though he likes to keep himself a, a little bit under the radar. And I'm going to be changing that for at least the people that listen to this podcast for. Um, one of the faster drivers from the Mid-Atlantic, uh, Mid-Atlantic uh, Honda Challenge uh, group. He races in H2 with the number 32 car. And up until now, he's won many regional championships, but is missing that one national championship. And Gosh. we're going to see if uh, this year is the is finally the time when that happens. And today, I have none other than Jonathan Baker. Sir, thank you for coming on and thank you for being patient. <laughs> Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. And uh, yeah, I do have a lot of hopes and fears all together that, that this is the year. Um, huge emotional roller coaster, but I, I really hope this is the magical year for us. Yeah, and I mean, um, to give people a little bit of a backstory for, for you and why this would be so significant is that in the Mid Atlantic region, as I think we've spoken about before, you hold more race wins and uh regional podiums than pretty much any other driver yeah i mean that uh, yeah yeah a little bit of that is doing it a, a lot longer than anyone yeah yeah I, that, that's I, I fair in, <laughs> yeah but um yeah I, I it does you know it doesn't uh line up as well as i wish it did with a number of national championships chris is our king right now you know he mm-hmm. won last year which is awesome um, I really enjoyed being part of that, um, but I'm staring here behind me at uh, a bunch of second and third places at national championships, and I- I'm looking for for a win finally so that I can uh, keep it in the mid-Atlantic and um, finally get to say that I have been national champion. I, I think it means a lot, obviously, um, being a national champion when you have good competition. I'm sure much like most of the people that I've talked to that have been racing for a while, um, being able to say that you've won when you are pretty much like guaranteed to win and there's only like three people competing, it, it's not as much of a victory in, I guess, my point of view and those people that believe uh, the same way that I do than knowing that you're going up against some of the faster and stronger uh, competition out there. Sadly, uh, our best representation for SoCal is not going to be there. Um, So, last episode, I had to update my uh, predictions to put you up on top. I know you want to be a little bit under the radar, but it's you and Crickenberger, I believe it is, from uh, Texas that I'm putting up up top with that 10th Gen SI. I appreciate it. If you you saw my car right now... uh, it has no engine in it, so uh, you may change your prediction. <laughs> but uh, that's um, I, I do appreciate that, and we're, we're working hard to get the car ready in the next week here, so that we can go out and and hopefully be that favorite that uh, you're talking about. Yeah, I mean, obviously, from the reputation that you have with other uh, fellow competitors like Michaels, has meant have that we've mentioned, and also Aldo. Um, Really, the the thing that interests me is not only when people are well-known through their own circles, but when they say, this is the guy to beat, 
And probably one of the highest compliments that I heard uh, being mentioned was uh, Chris Michaels uh, talking about how hard it is to beat you at times and how usually it's like fighting tooth and nail to get around you. So that, that's pretty high esteem from the last year's so national champion. And one of the things he pointed out was your car preparation. And what is yeah. it that you do, let's say on a typical race weekend, that maybe other people don't do as much? Um, I would say that, uh, one of our strengths is just, um, and, and, and I don't mean this in like a, uh, this is what I do and this is why I beat other people kind of way. I, I just, uh, I think that our attention to detail, um, is really high. We, we work on a prep sheet for every session. Um, there's a lot of information on it. There's a lot of information extracted from the car between each session. Um, I'm an engineer that really helps with data review. Mm -hmm. I'm very used to looking at graphs and lines and being able to uh, pull out useful information. Um, we do a lot of diagnostics on the car by looking at the data and, uh, you know, try to see things going. I, I'm rarely by myself, which I would say is a huge advantage. Um, mm -hmm. And then just, uh, you know, in the evenings, we do a lot of uh, prep to kind of make sure that the car is as good as it can be as if we were at home on the lift um, to kind of reset everything and be able to just do a, you know, a 20 step prep sheet between mm -hmm. each round. Um, but yeah, I think a lot of it is just attention to detail, teamwork um, and uh, keeping one, one another accountable for, um, you know, whatever happens out there, a win or a loss, you know, we take it as a team. It's not, it's not ever that I made the move and we won or they didn't do something and therefore we lost. It, it's always very much a team effort. And mm. I think that's how I, I try to keep people motivated mm -hmm. to, um, to be part of the team and, and win with me rather than me win and then just be there. And I really do like that you mentioned this as a team uh, set up and obviously I don't know how many people you have uh, helping you out but you see it even in uh, the highest episode, highest uh, levels of racing that you can have the best driver but if the equipment fails like the stopwatch or really the checkered flag only cares about who finishes it at the end of the race and if you may have the fastest car but it doesn't finish the race it does not matter so yeah controlling the variables making sure that uh you don't have as many unaccounted for variables i, I think it's a really smart way of uh easing the stress on the driver so that you're not just worried about well did i torque this right or is this loose or that little vibration that i'm getting is that the rack or you know i i, I like that idea yeah yeah it's, it's good wide variety of um experience and you know you gotta you gotta extract different people's talents and um be able to pick up where, where others aren't comfortable and, and feel that and luckily i've been doing this with a team since i was an hpde and that oh, was wow. geez, that's good back in 2008 or nine. Oh, okay um, that's around when i started now, yeah, even, actually, even before that, sorry, like 2005, <laughs> I, I, I met when I was in college. I had a mm -hmm. crew chief at every event on no, the radio, wow. an HPDE. Was that necessary? <laughs> no, but um, 
we learned a lot and uh it was it was cool and and i've just grown on that for Mm -hmm. you know 17 years or whatever it's been well that definitely would align with the the engineering side of you and making sure that all these details are meticulously uh gone over so i i I get that (laughs) It, it, it it jives the Descriptions do do go ahead and correlate. Um, <laughs> so, with your team, uh, who makes up your team? Um, and it it varies. I mm-hmm. would say based on availability. Or who's coming um, to nationals? Who am I going to meet? You're going to meet my my friend Joe. All uh, right, and coworker, another engineer. Um, What's up, Joe? We, yeah. <laughs> So uh, we both do flight tests together. We talk on the radio to pilots all the time, and um, we understand what what we're looking for when we're out on the racetrack together. Um, mm-hmm. And uh, you know, we're working on um, his mechanical skills with with racing and things like that. But he knows the basics. And mm-hmm. between that and the radio calls, uh, it's a great team for me to take the nationals. Awesome, that's good. So. Besides uh, the engine being the final key or piece of the puzzle, um, what else do you have to get ready for uh, Nationals, which is next month, which is uh, starting next uh, tomorrow is going to be the month already of September. Yeah. I mean, honestly, the the car is the best it has ever been. Mm -hmm. um, I've... I've gotten the brakes where I've always wanted them. We had some odd issues that we used to nurse around, and um, that's well, all gone. ABS is right where I want it. Ooh, good. Um, I've had some some uh, outside help, I'll just say, um, help me with some odd suspension <laughs> issues we've had, and um, that has made the car faster than it ever has been. Mm. Um, the aero and the reliability, everything's on point. I, I, I feel a little silly. Um, I'm happy to talk through my 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 engine uh, struggles so far, but um, I picked the V16B, and uh, it was not the engine that we all dreamed it would be. And uh, we're going back to kind of the tried and true Type R and bringing yeah, that out. You you know what? And and that's interesting that you bring this up because this is something that uh, Scott Adams and I have talked about, and maybe it's a little bit of a sore subject with some people in uh, Honda Challenge, but you know. Why not? Let's go for it. Um, You know, there is, and again, trying to be fair, it does seem like if you just go straight raw horsepower to weight ratio, obviously there's other factors that are going in there. It seems like the B16B would be kind of the jam to go into in Honda Challenge. And And, you know, like, I don't know, maybe... Look... I'm cheap. <laughs> so I, I would have liked to see a little bit more help on the cheaper engines, the B20s and the B18s. But I'm going to yeah. be honest, though, those engines' times are, are long gone. I mean, now in SoCal, if you wanted to get a B, B20 swap, it's going north of t- like two grand. And that's just dumb for oh something that, that right. yeah, I mean, like, that. I'm sorry, that's dumb. Uh, you can't argue against K series at that point just for the parts availability and engine availability. So, yeah, what what made the B16B not the jam? Um, so in the end, um, so I've had that engine in my car that 
got I had that in for when Nationals was at VIR. Mm-hmm. Let me find that. I don't remember which it, I didn't. I didn't even uh, podium that year. I, I dropped so far back. But anyway, I lost the igniter that year. Uh, I I qualified first every time. Mm-hmm. That engine made 184 on the dot. Damn. Out against the 185 count. Um, made decent torque. Um, but I anyway, mean, that's I qualified one pole. Yeah. I I won every qualifying race. I I got a little bit of a run to start the race. Um, and we had everyone there. Jackie was there. Rob was there. Croissette was there. Um, the Ohio guys were there. All the Mid-Atlantic guys. North Northeast was represented. It was pretty strong. So I felt like at my home track, I felt like uh, I was on mm. fire. But um, I was vulnerable. I, I, re- I vividly remember where I was weak. Um, but, yeah, once the igniter went, that was the end of it. I, I, I got down to where I was revving it barely shifting into VTEC at mm. you know maybe 6,000 to cool it down and it literally came back on the cool down lap when I was probably in like 7th or 8th place at that point it, it, it crushed me and then the, my good friend at the time Robbie Casella who passed me um, first who I thought should have won I think he missed a shift or it just blew no. up on him on front straight like right as he was coming to the white flag so then he didn't get it. And then um, uh, Jackie ended up kind of coming from nowhere and uh, getting it after even crashing or having a, an incident like a, a day prior or something. So, oh, wow. I mean, credit to her for hanging in there and believing um, it, it. It was just a devastating year for us. Um, mm-hmm. But I mean, that, that's how it goes, man. Like not the fastest car doesn't always win. I've, I've, I've done better than I should have. And I've done worse than I should have at, at these events. And like, you just got to accept that it's not always w- what you think it's going to be. Yeah. I mean, that, that is such a hard pill to swallow. And I, and it's one that I'm very uh, familiar with uh, distributor issues. I mean, man, like these things are just, they, they are a real ego uh, checker, uh, these uh, distributors. I, I had one fail on me during a race, and I I heard, like, a loud pop as soon as it happened, like, coming out of turn nine for Big Willow, and I thought, crap, I popped my engine, it's over. Like, I don't know, it's just, like, no power. And then I go in there, and sure enough, one of the freaking plugs got loose on the distributor on the inside, and I'm just like, great. That's perfect. And, yeah, I've had distributor problems. Most recently at the test, the little Phillips screw that holds the the rotor on there fell out, oh. got jammed in between one of the magnets and the, the shaft part where I guess it's like one of the cam lobes or whatever, and it got jammed yeah. in between there and seized it. And I was yep, just like... You got to use a, uh, a Allen head with with a little bit of blue Loctite. Hundred percent of the time, man. Yeah, that, if you just use the little Phillips, it, you know, with no Loctite, you know, that that stuff happens all the time. So I, I screwed myself. Um, was using the Loctite uh, one time when I was trying to remove it because I used the orange Loctite because I was like, oh, this is Ooh. for vibration. Nah, I messed up, man. I, I ended okay. up uh, destroying a. a a distributor uh, igniter for that one. 
So I was, yeah. I, I was bummed. Yeah, blue Loctite with a with an Allen screw in there, and uh, I, I've had I've had really good luck. I'm pretty sure that's what Chris does too. But um, mm. yeah, that right. seems oh. to work really well. All right, I'm going to copy you guys, much like I do yeah. with anything else that I find that you guys do that uh, seems to work. Uh, I'm I'm gonna go ahead and do that. I literally just bought Loctite the other day, uh, blue one, because I had the orange one and it's a little bit too much uh, jam for it. So, so yeah, when when we talked about like your start in uh, Honda Challenge, was Honda Challenge really your go-to? Um, because you said you were out there mm-hmm. with um, essentially like a racing team. Um, were you always like dead set? I'm gonna race, and this is the series that I wanted to go into, or were you thinking of other series to go into? Um, so I started as a flagger when I was in college, like my sophomore year, trying to just make some extra money. Had no interest in uh, in going and racing, and I got a ride in a Miata one day, and uh, as lame as that sounds, it changed my life because I knew how <laughs> slow they were. And I could only imagine what the other cars that were faster than it were doing. Um, Mm -hmm. And when I went to go talk around the paddock, I I, honestly, at the time, I thought I wanted to do Camaro Mustang Challenge and that kind of stuff because I thought the cars were just raw. And that was more like what my family was into growing up, you know, Mustangs and Mm -hmm. Camaros. And it seemed pretty cheap. But I just got a huge uh, open-armed response from the honda challenge guys that's um, awesome. so people like zephyr jackie richie hunter kevin mm-hmm. helms chad all those guys that were the, the huge heavy hitters back then <laughs> um instead of just kind of like saying yeah man go buy a car and let me know how it goes they were like let me help you find a car let me show you what you're looking for if you have any questions here's my phone number and like here's the forum to go on and that, that really made a difference. So I, I got a CRX. I had no idea what I was doing. Um, Jackie helped me out a ton. Yeah, um, she mentioned that, that CRX. So what kind of CRX uh, did you get? Was it the first I, gen or second gen? I had an 88 um, CRX okay. HF with a Type R motor in it. Damn. Damn. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it was 5000 bucks with, with, like, harnesses and seats. And uh, I, I drove it like I stole it, but I had no <laughs> idea how to maintain it. Um, yeah. yeah. So I started in that. I ended up racing that for a couple of years. And um, about the same time that Jackie, well, literally the same time Jackie bought the uh, EG from Kevin Helms, mm-hmm. I bought um, two Integra Type R's from these guys in New York that used to race H1 against Damn kevin helms's car so the cars had all seen each other in another lifetime as h1 cars and uh we brought them back to life and it was it was really cool because um jackie and i went from i'll just modestly say that we were mid packers to front of the pack overnight um just the stability of the of the long wheelbase cars Mm -hmm. and uh, the new engines was just uh it really changed things this was back in like 2011 Mm-hmm. And um, it was it was really cool, you know. All your hopes and dreams of being a good racer after a couple of years of being a mid pack guy come into life is just uh, it means a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, 
that that that's something that I hope to uh, aspire to in 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 the near future. I am I am making my own little ways in there, so I I, I do know how how much it sucks being in the back of the pack and like you know busting your butt um, to make it to the events and then uh, trying your best to do you know put your best foot forward out there. So yeah, yeah. two type bars, man. I mean, can Good you imagine though. what? what they go for nowadays like trying to say like, oh my gosh no i don't even like thinking about it they were one was a race car one was a shell um, oh okay so you bought a shell okay see that yeah because yeah, there's a lot of people out there nowadays that are just like whoa you bought two type r's like pff, man that engineering gig is is going really well then it was not I sold everything <laughs> I sold everything I had out of the CRX to just pay for the two chassis. Nice. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that, that, that was a life-changing event, honestly. I don't awesome. know how else to put Awesome. So, um, besides the CRX and besides the two Type R's, um, was there any other car that you uh, tracked at all? That was, like, your car yeah. that... Oh, that I've tracked. Okay. Well, I raced the World Challenge in 2013. Oh, nice. Um, which sounds cool until I tell you what car I drove. Uh, I'll just throw it out there. Everyone can make fun of me. I drove a uh, Honda Fit. It was a TCB car and not Bro. what Honda was really pushing Bro. at the time. Um, Bro, yeah. I love the Fit. I love the Fit. Okay. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> You are you are talking like I've I've had and I know this is going to trigger some people. I've had real conversations with myself just because I've um, not been doing my East Gen Civic SI uh, credit about getting rid of it and getting a fit. So you are not talking to people that are going to be making fun of you for a fit. Like I think the fit is okay. so cool. Which gen fit did you have? Did you have the first one or the second gen? It was, I mean, it was a pretty new car. I want to, I'm trying to remember exactly. I think All right, it was the, 2011. 2011? Like the newer one. At yeah, the yeah, time. It's, it's got the, like, uh, gangster eyes instead of the, like, bubble fit uh, headlights. Correct. Yeah, Correct. that one's cool. Man, that's got all the chassis rigidity and the se- the the fuel tank is in the middle, man. Everybody's seen yep. that uh, that video with freaking, uh, what is it, Ichisima-san from... Uh, from Spoon talking about the chassis rigidity and oh man, it's up to two, two hundred percent, man. Yeah, yeah, that that thing is dope, man. It is dope. It, I tell you, the cool thing about pro racing was just how much I learned about like valuing every moment you had on the track, and and um, you know, you get you you feel like you're a Formula One driver. <laughs> until you mention what kind of car you're driving you, you do the autograph sessions you're the ones you go to drivers meetings with with indie cars or v8 supercar drivers um you're at you know the coolest tracks in the world i went to circuit of the americas um mid ohio with indycar um lots of awesome events uh, sonoma um you know all these cool events but uh in the end it's just you know i mean you're competing against models and kids that don't even have driver's licenses and millionaires Mm -hmm. um and it's just not really the right place for someone who's just in their late 20s and has a normal job and trying to get some exposure Um, Mm -hmm. there's a lot of cheating involved 
that I just didn't appreciate. Oh, um, yeah, it, it, it was. And, and what was frustrating is even the OEMs that were backing the cars were involved, if not leading it. Like Mazda, I will just say. Ooh, spill that tea. Spill the yeah, tea. They had a huge part in, in the first two winners. Um, and it was it was just very frustrating. And, and by the time I figured out what everyone was doing, um, I did it on my car. I was able to run with my teammate all of a sudden and I was able to to get a podium and then I decided I didn't want to do this anymore and I sold the car and bought my my uh, exact same Integra Type R back mm. and I don't regret it I'm glad I had the experience but in the end um, I'm really glad Mike Harris um, was a super nice guy and allowed me to have my my favorite race car ever back oh. um, and that, well. that meant a lot to me well, uh, I'm sad you lost the fit, but it's ha- it seems like you're in a happier place right now with Honda Challenge. And, you know, that's uh, kind of a good lesson and a good uh, growing story for uh, people who really want to be in that limelight and figure that, oh, this is going to be my big break to get up with the big guys. And it has been for some people. I mean, you could look at uh, Tom O'Gorman, how he had his program. And sure. that was able. He was able to translate that to uh, success with the uh, TCR and uh, TC with the tenth gen fit. And yeah, I, I think um, it can be helpful, but it is a struggle. And like you said, it's uh, a lot of people with a lot of money usually find a lot of interesting things to do. So everybody wants right. to win and. Yeah, it it can be it can be tough, especially at a high profile event like that. So yeah, it was the first year of the class, and I think a lot of people really wanted to win on the debut season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my car actually was the champion the year after, mm-hmm. um, which was really cool. I felt like I was part of that. Um, awesome. But uh, it was yeah, I learned a lot. It really raised my my game and level of prep and um, everything mm-hmm. like that. Um, but, uh, and, 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 you know, like I, I look back and I think maybe I should have spent the money and just gotten the civic SI cause that, that group didn't appear to be cheating. Um, mm-hmm. they were just driving more expensive cars. Um, and maybe I should have done that and invested the money and rented it out a little bit more and found a way to afford it. But it just, it didn't seem like the right path at the moment be spending $120,000 on a Civic SI versus spending 20-something thousand mm-hmm. on a Honda Fit. Well, I mean, if you were to go back and change things, it would also change who you are as a driver and your level of prep, and maybe it wouldn't True. make you who you are today. So even yeah. though uh, some negative experiences, uh, as much as me, we want to go back and change them, I, I think they help... Uh, cement um maybe some of our better attributes who to the people that we are right now yep yep totally agreed so um in terms of since you've been racing for a while is there like specific tracks that you have lap records at right now um our our lap records are not super well maintained okay i think a couple of us have beat the record that's posted at summit. I think mm-hmm. uh, I, I know Chris and I have beat it. I, I don't remember offhand whose was better. I, I actually think it was his. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then I have beaten the record at VIR. Um, that's been posted. I'm not sure if anyone else has, but hmm. uh, if you look at what it shows online, it still shows something from like four or five years ago. So, I mean, yeah, I, I think if you took certain results, you could say I have the track record at both. If you um, look okay. at it right now, though, I think I think it, it might actually have my name against the summit hmm. record, but it's not accurate. I think, like I said, at least Chris and I have definitely gone faster. Oh, well. um, and I wouldn't be surprised if like Morgan and even Holden um, mm-hmm. and Brent have all probably beaten my time. And it's, you know, just no one has updated it to find the ultimate time yet. But it, it's fine. I, I don't I don't really uh, get, get upset about it. So moderators, if you're listening, uh, step your game up. <laughs> uh, oh, man. So and, and part of the reason why I want to ask that is also um, how competitive your car is compared to uh, the overall field. Because obviously um, the last race you had at Mid-Atlantic, you podiumed and you finished in first place. But it's uh-huh. it's not like your car is built to a completely different level. It's, from what I'm hearing, it's more that you kind of over well not over analyze, but I feel like you take into consideration a lot of little things where maybe other people just don't um, do the same prep that you do, and maybe that's uh, the biggest advantage that you do have. I would I would like to think that what you're saying is is what gives us the advantage. I mean, I've helped Chris a lot. I've helped Morgan and Holden. I've probably touched every car in the Mid-Atlantic paddock. Um, I've made a lot of their splitters. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I work in a unique field that um, is heavily involved in very advanced aerodynamics. And uh, mm. I can't say that it hasn't influenced things on my car. Yeah, because um, I see you have the swan neck on the... Uh, wing on that car and uh, I don't see a lot of people with that swan neck so I- I've heard things yep. about uh, how swan necks uh, have an effect on arrow versus the straight bolt on from the bottom yep it's a pain in the ass to get it <laughs> integrated onto the car but yeah um, that's one thing obviously that one's pretty uh, easy to tell just from quick pictures of the car but there's a lot of things underneath and uh, other places that that are maybe a little bit more subtle hmm. um, that that can clean things up that you know for the average person they don't look twice at but when you're racing for you know 30 to 45 minutes at a time a little bit of drag uh, does mm-hmm. make a difference and, and I always I, I had a race with Jackie back at New Jersey and I talk about it all the time hmm. I lost by nine thousands. of a second in a 35 minute race and ever since then it makes you look at the car different oh yeah you can you look at like a little sticker that's peeling up and you go ah that doesn't matter but do you think that that would move you nine thousandths of a second forward (laughs) if you drove it for 35 minutes and if the answer is yes then it's worth Mm. taking care of Um, and i'm sure she has had you know similar similar thoughts So that's interesting because I also noticed on your car, and I mean, I forget who it was that I heard it from, but you still have the OEM uh, style mirrors on there instead of the fancy uh, APR arrow ones. Because I've heard from many people that um, apparently mirrors can uh, have a, an effect on uh, aerodynamics on the car, especially the large OEM ones. 
for sure. But shout out to my mid-Atlantic brothers. If, uh, if you don't have full mirrors on your car, it is very easy to wheel-to-wheel race. And we wheel-to-wheel race every weekend. Um, and I got to be able to see where they are. They want to be able to see me. So uh, I've, I've obviously influenced Chris's thoughts um, as well because he runs the OEM mirrors. And that, that honestly came from Kevin Helms. I used to talk with him, and he would always harp that, you know, I, I even think he used to say that we should be required mm. to run the OEM mirrors for safety. But I tell you what, it's really hard to see a car in those dinky mirrors. <laughs> um, I, I had them on my CRX, and that was that was tough. Now, I wasn't as competitive, so it didn't matter as much. Uh, but yeah, not that many people behind you in the back. Yeah, you, I mean, you, you can't always just stare out the windshield. <laughs> I don't know what these other guys do in Texas and California, but here we, we race wheel-to-wheel mm-hmm. every minute, and you got to be able to tell where the other guy is. Ah, I see. So it's, it's that much of a handicap, I guess, you, you would see in, in terms of a loss of, uh, I guess, uh, spatial awareness without the uh, OEM mirrors. Oh, interesting. I, I feel like... Yeah, and obviously mm-hmm. I'm not the only one. Other people yeah. have come to the same conclusion. Well, I mean, uh, from what I can see so far, there's uh, very few people that I see in uh, Mid-Atlantic that are with the Arrow Mares. So, you know, you know, it's something that I noticed and I figured I'd ask you about it and see your thoughts, especially being uh, someone who's uh, involved in aerodynamics. But speaking yeah. of aerodynamics... I love the front end of the of that car, man. Like, dude, I don't know why, but just the Integra's, uh, the JDM front end, I think looks so freaking cool on this car. And I don't know if it's mainly my bias uh, to the JDM-ness of it, but I've always really, inter- really enjoyed seeing that more than the regular, um, like, quad headlights. I, I think they're okay, but I don't know. Something about that JDM front, it just looks right and proper. Yeah. Let me tell you a quick story about how that happened. So okay. I saw Robbie Casella, Northeast guy. He races Specky 30 now. He had an Integra Type R with the JDM front on it. And I remember seeing that and I said, man, that looks awesome. I have got to have that. Mm-hmm. I think it was literally like, Two weeks after that, I was doing a test event with um, uh, Chris was there, and we forgot to latch the hood. Oh, and no. I did. I don't remember. He was in the passenger seat. It was at, like, a DE event, and mm-hmm. uh, this is before he was racing, obviously. Mm-hmm. And uh, the hood flew up as a GT3 pulled in front of me, and the draft, like, flung the hood up. Oh wow! Dented the hood in. Sorry, dented the the roof in. Yeah. And um, I remember like I can either buy a new hood and um, you know just kind of recoup this, or I can do the bold move Mm -hmm. and go ahead and move to a JDM front end. So I looked into it. I found one that was a true Type R one, matched Mm -hmm. and everything, and I moved to that. And and I think that was one of the coolest things I've done to that car. Yeah, man, I think it. I think it looks pitching. Like in all honesty, I really like that uh, front end look of of the Type R. It, it's it's my fanboy's fanboyness uh, for the JDM parts. Um, so yeah, I I, I I dig it. 
And, you know, it's kind of like those things where just because you don't have it, I guess it's more idealized. Um, I know that there's a, maybe not a big movement, but there is like a movement in the, in Japan to make things look USDM as well. So they have like people doing a USDM type R front end swaps on their JDM ones. So it's, I would trade them in a heartbeat. <laughs> especially now, because I imagine the parts for that are actually pretty hard to find. I would think so. Yeah. Yeah. So, in terms of like your your car setup, um, what kind of coilovers are you running? Uh, you mean like what kind of shocks? Yeah. Uh, do you want to guess? Um, let me see, since, um, what's it called? Uh, Chris Michaels has mentioned the, what he's running. So I'm guessing maybe you're going with some Omni coilovers or maybe some, uh, Tokiko struts or, um, something. I thought you, I thought you were on a warm path. There. So <laughs> it, uh, there's a reason that I think Chris loves, loves his Penske's and, uh, where he, you know, may have learned that they exist. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so I, I had, I, I believe, one of the first sets for the Integra of the Penske's. Um, and I had JRZ's before that. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both work really well. Um, I'm still not really sure which is faster, but mm-hmm. I sold the JRZ's and uh, I really kind of committed to working with um, a certain um, team that. that that we were trying to build a relationship with mm-hmm. and uh, they, they really want us to go to the Penske. So I did. Mm-hmm. And, um, they work, they work really well. I don't know if the remote re- reservoir is worth it or not, but that's what I have. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just have like, I think Tyne as the, um, the top hats and then, uh, shout out to Ibach. Thanks for helping us out all these years. They're, they're mm-hmm. great about giving us different, um, springs to try. And, um, that's, that makes it a lot easier for us to, to, get the right setup and not be spending thousands of dollars um going back and forth so i I definitely appreciate their help yeah i mean uh shout out to our most recent guest uh jared reyes from ibox so yeah they're doing uh really good work and especially manufacturing the stuff uh here in uh california so it's nice to see uh products being made in the u.s and raced in the u.s Yep. And their support for racers is, is unbelievable. If anyone mm-hmm. hasn't kind of, uh, you know, reached out to them or, or one of us that are the sponsored drivers, um, I think they would be amazed at, at how supportive they are. They'll take, mm-hmm. I don't say used springs back, but maybe ones that you have, you know, corner balance the car on or things like that. E- even then, you know, they might have a scuff here and there and uh, mm-hmm. they'll generally take them back happily and give you what you need. Mm-hmm. Um, which I just think is, you know, you don't you don't hear stuff like that. No. These days. I feel like everyone is, you know, out to make money and is just mm-hmm. kind of take it or leave it. And those guys do not act like that, which is just awesome. Mm-hmm. And in my conversation with uh, Jared, um, it, it's really interesting to see how hard uh, they they work at trying to do things um, to better the sport and uh, be there for the racers that they do support so it's awesome to have uh, companies out there like that i know i'm running their their stuff on mine because it's uh you know when you think of aftermarket springs you really go with a uh, ibach for that so 
now that you've mentioned uh, being sponsored driver and um, getting some backing from Maybach, uh, most people that may not know you would uh, would also know you by the uh, company that you run, uh, Thirty Two uh, Racing. So you guys, you are a seller of uh, automotive uh, parts, right? Yeah. Uh, I appreciate you bringing that up. So, I mean, I have a full-time job, but uh, at one point we did maintain uh, three or four different Honda Challenge cars. Um, I've kind of drifted away from that and maybe more into just kind of the selling parts. But mm-hmm. we sell OS Gaiken, uh, Motul, Vibrance, um, AIM, all the safety gear, all that kind of stuff. I just mm-hmm. uh, I try to keep those accounts active, and I'm happy to pass any kind of savings on to people. Because um, I think a lot of the stuff is outrageously marked up. <laughs> and uh, I remember when there was no one helping me and it was really tough mm-hmm. to afford those things. So I just try to make it easier for everybody and, um, you know, keep the business having revenue mm-hmm. um, so it keeps the IRS happy. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it, it's one thing to find a parts reseller that's just reselling you whatever they can get really good margins on. But I feel like when you talk to a racer, they're going to tell you where, not necessarily where the best margins are, but what gives you the best deltas. So sure. being, a, being an yeah. engineer, I'm sure you you appreciate that. Um, but in terms of safety gear, what what uh, safety gear do you normally sell? Um, so we, we're a reseller for uh, OG Racing, so anything mm-hmm. they have, oh, yeah. I can they're, get. Yeah, yep. they're solid. So, um, yeah, they're, they're our main supplier. I mean, I'll stock some stuff, but a lot of times mm-hmm. we're just drop shipping mm-hmm. um, from them directly. And uh, they give us a good deal. And I'm ha- again, I'm happy to, to pass anything on. And, you know, that comes with free advice and experience from mm-hmm. what's worked for us. Um, yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. Because, yeah, I mean, it, it's so intimidating to, like, buy even though there is a lot of really good information out there, there's also a lot of noise. And that's kind of, yes. it's something that I've uh, run into where like people will tell me, oh, I want to get like a harness, but I'm not sure which one I should get, which one's legal, which one's not. And, you know, for someone like you or me, we were just like, well, look at the CCR and, uh, you know, search uh, harnesses and see what's legal and what's not. And then make your choice from there. But it's also like fitment issues and how something wears. It's it's all like little nuances like that that can really, I feel like, make or break it in in the end and have somebody like pretty comfortable with their choice. Like I know for me, I ended up going with the Simpson Hybrid uh, neck restraint because it's one of the only ones that worked at a three-point and with NASA... I'm not doing it as much as anymore, but um, I was doing instructing and I wanted to have something on there that has some sort of help in case I was in a crash with a student. So, yeah, those are those little nuances on why you would use one thing versus another, not necessarily talking about how one doesn't perform well, but simply a different uh, perspective on fit and finish in terms of... Uh, how you are going to be using the that the piece of safety equipment versus uh, how it's originally being um, sold as. So 
yeah, I, I, yeah. I, I'm kind of meandering a little bit, but I think you know what I mean. <laughs> I'm yeah. saying. Yeah. Uh, so I'm looking at your seat and I'm wondering what kind of seat do you run? Because you run the Halo style, right? It's a, yeah. It looks like a Sparkle. Is this the older one with the um, bolt in out? Um, what is it? The head oh, restraint? No, no, no. No, so this one, I, my favorite seat of all time was a pro ADV Ooh. and I sold it to a good friend of mine because he was equally in love with it. And then he sold his car and that broke my heart. And I bought another one and they make it in the, in the, uh, the new lightweight, um, mm-hmm. I think it's the QRT is what they call it, but, um, it's, it's lighter, which is great. Mm-hmm. Um, but it didn't quite fit the same. You end up having mm-hmm. to raise it and move it way forward. I'd get into brackets. It was a little bit of a disaster, but I got it to work in the end. And uh, it's it's light. It's comfortable. It fits my relatively thin waist. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, it's it, it just, I don't know, it fits everything about me. Um, I know the circuit is very popular. I've had that mm-hmm. one in the car before. A um, little bit broader shoulders. Mm-hmm. Um, normal size waist, I would say it's probably better for, and then they have some other larger sizes as well. But yeah, anything to avoid that side net on your right side. Um, I just think that's awkward working on the car. And, um, I, I really like having the halo mm-hmm. seat for the protection. I've just seen too many videos of people's mm-hmm. necks snapping to the sides mm-hmm. to, uh, you know, want to ever take the risk with, with having a neck injury like that when I'm expected to go to work on Monday morning. Mm-hmm. So um, anything that makes me safer, I, I am all about it. Yeah, I mean, for for me, it's it counts doubly. So, like, I'm running a Cobra seat with the Halo as well, but it's the one with the holes in it. And, I mean, my car yeah. not only holds me in it, but it holds my fiancé in it. So just imagine, like, you know, the amount of care that you want to have for the person that you love driving the car and how much you want to put into the safety equipment there. So yeah, that's, that's one of the big things for me is uh, yeah. having good reputable brands on there. I, I totally agree. You know, people get really caught up in what sway bars, what tires, what brakes. And uh, at the those end are of the all day, important, but yeah. Yeah. You got to make the car, safe with these added speeds that you're going Mm -hmm. to and like you're saying if it's going to have a passenger in it you know don't skimp on that because now you're just saying i i care about myself more than i care about the person (laughs) in the passenger seat and that's not cool um so yeah totally with you safety gear is awesome Mm -hmm. and uh you know don't don't skimp on that stuff make sure that you can go to work on monday morning yeah, and I mean, my my fiance actually drives the car. We have no passenger seat in the car. <laughs> oh, okay, sorry. Yeah, sorry. yeah, no worries, no worries. Um, but yeah, so then. yeah, you yeah, best on one side then. Yeah, I I don't have a center net for for that reason as well because I have the um, halo on there. So yeah, like, and I ended up going with the race tech harnesses just because I really like the the cam locking sit scenario since we're yep. switching between both of us i don't know I, I i've i've used um different harnesses and i just really like the race tech one they're way more pricey and i've been seeing other people come up with some really nice designs so maybe when those go out i, I might look at a different harness but uh 
don't know. I'm 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 kind of bougie when it comes to some of the safety gear that I I buy. No, that's that's good. Um, I, I have seen the race tech stuff. I have not ever owned it, um, and I think that's just more of a function of what OG has kind of recommended mm-hmm. to me and what they offer. Um, yeah, but yeah, I mean. I agree, especially if you're switching drivers. Geez, yeah, you want it super easy to mm-hmm. make those changes. Yeah, the like side uh, ones because it's one of the few ones that have the like side laps where you can actually like adjust easily. So if we need to switch back and forth, because she does time trials and I do a Honda challenge, so I wanted right. to have a a more um, flexible setup. So another question that I need to ask you. Because I've noticed this uh, kind of distinguishing uh, setup between here in SoCal and in Northeast, and I wanted to see where you land. So here in SoCal, the tire of choice is, obviously we all run the same tire brand, but we run the 225.50s. In Northeast, I see a lot of people running the 205.50s. Yeah, so... I wanted to know, uh, what do you run? Right. So I was just in the Northeast, and a lot of those guys, I call them the balloon tires, um, the two 2550s. Um, I think Chris really changed the game running those last year at Nationals. That was the mm-hmm. first I had really heard of a national-level guy um, running them. I'm not saying that someone in SoCal wasn't, but that was the first time that mm-hmm. kind of hit my radar. And uh, I do know that we were struggling a lot with – um, you know, getting the gearing right for certain tracks, especially we have a lot of tighter mm-hmm. tracks out here. And with the B series running a five, one is about as, you know, well, it is as far as you can go. Mm-hmm. And to put that tire on, it just makes your gearing longer and that can put you at a disadvantage. Um, mm-hmm. the other thing is I just don't know if it's very good at being legal for H2 mm-hmm. fitting under the fenders and, mm-hmm. um, without rubbing. Uh, so to me at this point, I think, uh, it makes more sense to just continue to run kind of the smaller diameter, um, tires. And it's something I'm going to experiment with in time, but, um, I, I really think it's, it's not as clean cut as some, some people may lead you to believe to, mm. to integrate those onto the, onto the car. Oh, so you run the 205s then? I run a combination of 205s and then the 225 45s. Um, so they're the same diameter. It's mm-hmm. just the, the 205, I call those bicycle tires. Um, but the bicycle tires do great in qualifying. Mm-hmm. They come up to temp quick. Mm-hmm. They're good on the back of the car, especially like, you know, I mean, we're East Coast, right? We have yeah. some events here in March and October. Mm-hmm. You know, it might be a high of 50 degrees. So that means that you're qualifying when it's maybe. 40 degrees out it's mm-hmm. really tough to get big tires heated up on a mm-hmm. front wheel drive mm-hmm. car in the back mm-hmm. so those those 205s it's still kind of close but you can do it um you know a big 225 50 balloon tire like <laughs> i mean that I, I can only imagine i'm not going to put a number on it but i would imagine it, it would you know probably be three or four laps yeah um that's interesting that you say three or four laps or, or two or three laps or whatever, because that's something that I struggled with before I got a big rear sway bar. I was on a Integra OEM rear sway bar that I got from the junkyard for 40 bucks. Again, I'm cheap. 
Um, and I ran takeoffs from all of the other Honda Challenge guys. And uh, on a cold morning, that is not the business, man. Like, I've never felt like a brand new driver. Um, but yeah, my first time out, um, I went out and on my first actual, like, major turn, I did a full 360 and I was like, what wow. the hell? Like, yeah, I'm like, yeah. I'm like looking at myself. I'm like, whoa, like, did I just forget how to drive? Like, how, how did I just go from like, you know, helping people and like never going off to just doing a full 360 on my first left-hander? And yeah, like those 225 50s, they did not get up to temp and they were just not happy. It was just not a good setup for me because I was running it square. So you can imagine. Oh, yeah. yeah. So when Chris on a cold ran day. It, yeah. Oh, yeah. I, I know when Chris ran, it, he was still running smaller stuff in the back. And I think that's the smart way to do it. <clears throat> yeah, no, um, I, I remember I and I it's like such a habit of mine that I I'm. I'm just used to touching the berm at a certain uh, corner. And when I did that, the rear end just came right around me. It felt like I just yanked the e-brake and I was like, holy crap, I've never driven a tire that, you know, did that. And it's, you know, partially um, tire setup uh, that is to blame. So, yeah, rude awakening. So. Now that we're here talking about that you run 205s, I do have a pair of 205s that I've been trying to sell, and I don't know why. Everyone tells me that there's a shortage, but I'm here with two, a pair of 205s that are out for sale, and nobody wants to buy them. The brand new unmounted, but if you want them, I'll take them to nationals. <laughs> okay. I mean, yeah. No, no pressure. Found, no pressure on those um, high-pressure yeah. sales, <laughs> sales tactics. Yeah, I might hit you up for them, or maybe we can trade for some some other. Because I have a set of the balloons. If you want another oh, no. set of those, no, I don't. I don't. I don't want balloons. Um, I'm actually running the two twenty five forty fives because um, talking with Chris Michaels, I was able to drop like like literally change out almost all my gearing for the um, track that I was running a uh, Big Willow. Like I went from using second. And third to now using third and fourth, and I was just like, "Wow, right. like, this is way That's better." Yeah, 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 yeah. It moves you. It's like it's like changing final drives just mm -hmm. for four lugs. Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Yeah. So, thank you for buying the tires. <laughs> <laughs> we'll 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 talk yeah. later. We'll talk later. <laughs> Sounds good. Oh man. Uh, so. When when are you making your way out here to uh, SoCal for Nationals? Yeah, so I'm leaving next Saturday. Um, I'm going to kind of take my time, just bring the truck and trailer, mm -hmm. um, and then uh, probably get out there, you know, middle of the week and uh, try to get some practice sessions in, and then we'll move into the actual Nationals sequence there and see where we are. And then obviously the big race is on Sunday the 18th, um, I think it's uh, sometime around one o'clock. I think it's like twelve forty to yeah. one twenty-five or something like that. Yeah, um, yeah. So I will be up there on Saturday because I want to see the the qualifying race. I think it is. I think Saturday. Yeah, yeah. yeah, there, there's, yeah. 
So I'll, I'll be up there and I'll bring your tires. So um, I'm excited. <laughs> Sounds good. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'm definitely super stoked to finally meet uh, people like Scott Adams, you, and um, more Texas guys that are coming out. I'm kind of sad that we don't have more people from uh, Mid-Atlantic coming out, but it's also there yeah. weren't that many slots. So Yeah, yeah, it's a shame. That kind of hits on a, a little bit of a uh, conversation that I've had with uh, Scott Adams, and I, I wanted to see what your thoughts are on it. Obviously, we all know the elephant in the room is that SoCal is dragging their feet and doesn't want to jump into H2 for some reason. Um, but it's pretty much, like in terms of Honda Challenge, it's really H2 is the sweet spot for for Hondas um, in NASA, so... I agree. I, I don't know what the future would, would be for Honda Challenge, but I, I feel like... And obviously, I'm not in the right place for this because I, I just spent some, some significant amount of money on a LSD and a final drive. So as much as I'm promoting to try and get us to H2, I kind of hope that we stay H4 for a while. Yeah, I understand that, man. But I, I feel like I think in the future we should be working on making Honda Challenge just like one class instead of having all of these little groups because I, I I do feel bad that like you know at nationals we have a big SoCal contingent in uh, H4 and maybe that's making H2 a little bit smaller for for the event I kind of want to yeah. have as many people racing I mean like you said you you're fighting for having your own nationals uh championship and i i'm sure you would like to not only win a nationals but to beat some of the best drivers in the in the region that's available to go yeah no you're right um now what i will say though is you know even though i fought this horsepower cap tooth and nail in the beginning when jeremy came out with it uh, I do think that that made our class a lot more attainable to a lot of people that mm -hmm. before were intimidated by it being a tuner class that, mm -hmm. you know, we were obviously all building engines and mm -hmm. going kind of pushing it, running 13 to 0 on the air fuels and running over 30 degrees of timing, looking for every last half of horsepower. And it kind of changed that mindset back to reliability and uh, maintainability and something more attainable. So, uh, I mean, in, in the Northeast, I was up there this past weekend, and they were saying that on a good day, they've got 20 cars. And then in the Mid-Atlantic, we have in the teens. Mm -hmm. And those are independent. Those are not, you know, including crossover guys. So mm -hmm. um, I think that out here, it's really thriving. H4 is dead mm -hmm. in both of the regions. Uh, Southeast has a lot of H1 and H2 cars. Um, so I, I really, in my mind... It almost seems like SoCal's just got to get on on the train here. I mean, they do. Um, we do. We do. We yeah. do. I mean, it is. And we, we have a lot of, um, and you know, it, it's not fair for me to say. I'm, I'm fairly new in here. And, you know, everybody has their cars already built up. They know what they have. And, you know, I, I am I am brand new to this uh, series. And 
brand new in terms of like participating, but I've been watching for a while and I I feel like in SoCal maybe maybe this is me gloating a little bit, um, but in comparison to other regions, I think we have a lot more road like track built Hondas just in the aggregate. And we really shouldn't be struggling to make the numbers of cars that, you know, Mid-Atlantic and Northeast um, has. I, I feel like there's no reason why we couldn't have 20 cars in SoCal. And it's not because, oh, there's just not enough people that drive Hondas that want to track them. I feel like, you know, somewhere, I don't know, in the communication with other people who are interested in track driving, there's just not that connection being made. And like you said at the start of this podcast, uh, welcoming people with open arms. And that's something that I'm hoping I'm doing um, and bringing people in and showing them how fun of a class this can be. And sadly, with the older engines, I mean, like my D-series now is costing more to purchase than a K-series, and that just doesn't make any sense. Like, there's no reason right. you want to do that. Right. I mean, I, I love mean, the D-series. I love them. They're dope. But You can have all of them. <laughs> but I can't get my car light enough, damn it, <laughs> to be at right. the limit. But I mean, there's, there's a lot of cool things in H2 right now, mm-hmm. with like the K24. I mean, I raced Brent, and I um, mm-hmm. I've talked with uh, Ken Martinez a lot. Mm-hmm. about his setup and um i think that's amazing those guys are are spending what i used to spend on the b16a you know <laughs> under under 400 bucks mm-hmm. for a motor to the point where you know i was talking to jackie like it's not even worth putting new timing equipment in it or opening it up at all it's going to be around the cap as is mm-hmm. and you just run it and if you blow it up you take one out of the back of your truck and you put another one in like <laughs> you know these guys are buying like like three of them for 500 bucks and they're all ready to race like and i mean they're competitive brent almost Mm -hmm. had me on sunday um and it was you know you look at what what i'm doing on my car and my engine to to be Mm -hmm. competitive and you know brent is running a 150 dollar (laughs) engine and you know still in the development phase if i don't make some moves i'm going to just get you know swept by Mm -hmm. so um i really think h2 has a lot of good things ahead of it it mm-hmm. may involve a lot of k-series engines and some antiquated b-series from us that are stubborn but yeah i really think uh, h2 can be affordable um when you do it correctly and and don't get emotions evolve, mm-hmm. involved it's just you know kind of pure what is competitive per dollar mm-hmm. uh, can be done pretty cost effectively i mean we i think you and i both know that if we made if the rules were such that you could run the same horsepower to weight ratio as you could um, for like the B16B with the K series, it would make it a really hard um, engine to beat. I think not. And again, I haven't looked at the most recent set of rules, so again, don't crucify me. I know uh, this is a touchy subject for many people about like minimum weight horsepower to weight ratios because obviously some people rightly so bring up gearing and the way the engine performs is not necessarily always the same way so i i I get i get that um but i i feel like 
like you said, the B16B on paper would be the one to beat, but if that same horsepower to weight ratio was the same for like a K24 or a K20, the A3s or whatnot, I think, uh, you know, that's like a carrot versus a stick uh, approach. But, you know, that's something in the future that people much more knowledgeable than I am can consider and push and maybe see if that works. And, you know, rules are ever-changing, much like uh, SOPs, and you can always make uh, addendums. We could do a cap on them and uh, figure out, um, you know, changes on how to make things improved. We could we could do a Kaizen for that, and uh, I'm sure all of these uh, trigger words are working really well for you. <laughs> um. I mean, I, I hear, I, I've heard Scott Adams' argument, not directly mm-hmm. from his mouth, but mm-hmm. kind of via the Mid-Atlantic guys. And uh, I mean, I guess I I still, although our, our rules are not totally perfect, I mean, I, I no. sent in this huge proposal of rule changes. In fact, mm-hmm. I've got it open here in front of me, but um, I do think that going power to weight is not the, the true intent of Honda Challenge. Oh, true. It, I, yeah, um, that's fair. It's, yeah, it, and I mean there are power to weight classes, mm-hmm. and I think that building a car to that mindset is just very different, and mm-hmm. it would make a lot of the cars in it, with especially with B series, which is in my mind more than half of the cars, it would make them kind of antiquated. And mm-hmm. fortunately, you know, a lot of us have a lot of money and time invested in yeah. that. Um, so I, I just think whatever we do. Um, it's got to be smart, and I think that the K24 that's come out, like what Ken has and Brent, mm-hmm. I think that was a modest move, and mm-hmm. it's working, and it's not setting the world on fire, but it gives an alternative to people who can't mm-hmm. afford eleven thousand dollar Type R. Dude, spots. that's so wild. This yeah. this Type yeah, R I mean, price is. is is yeah, and I mean, look, at the end of the day, we have to make the rules work for the people that race. If the rules do not work for the people that race, then what are we doing? I mean. The whole point is to try and get us out there as efficiently as we can with spending the time and money on stuff that's, you know, cool. Um, and not necessarily uh, on stuff that's, like, overpriced and ridiculous. It's like, you know, at the end of the day, if you're wheel-to-wheel with someone, you're in a K or a B series, you're going to enjoy being wheel-to-wheel with somebody. Not necessarily like, oh, I have this specific engine. It's just, like you said... We have to kind of show respect for the people who've put so much money and time in there and not essentially erase them. So I feel like it's a, it's a balance. Like, we can definitely figure stuff out and adjust. And if it moves one way too much or one another way too much, we can always readjust. So, yeah, I just want us... I just want this to continue to keep on going because I'm I'm committed, man. I, I dude, I'm doing a podcast. I, my entire thing is to try and keep this going on. So I, I'm doing my darndest. So yeah, yeah. I mean, I appreciate what you're doing. I I, I caught on kind of late to your podcast, but I, I definitely appreciate the um, you know the networking and um, hearing about other people. And uh, I intend to listen to your podcast pretty much the whole way across the country. Oh, man. Thank you. Thank you very much. I mean, I I just want to do a podcast about stuff that I would be interested in. And it's, you know, these slow front wheel drive cars that can be surprisingly quick sometimes. And, uh, 
the people who've gotten uh, interesting ideas on how to make them quick and you know I enjoy talking uh, Honda stuff so I I mean it just seemed like a perfect match and hopefully we can build up SoCal to be a good representation of the culture that we have here with Hondas right so Mr. Baker yes Scott, Scott Adams' uh, driver development is going to be coming with an RSX, and Texas is coming with a 10th Gen SI. How do you think you're going to fare against them? I mean, I wouldn't say I'm losing sleep over it, but I wouldn't say that I have got it in the bag. Mm-hmm. Um, I I personally have driven the RSX before, and mm-hmm. um, I don't think it makes the best platform. Mm-hmm or Honda Challenge 2, the way the rules are written. Mm-hmm. But I'm excited to see a known, talented driver, um, you know, put it through its paces and uh, see what, what it can do. I think that'll be a great representation of, of its potential. I mean, it has good power to weight. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a modern chassis. Mm-hmm. Maybe it just hasn't been in the right hands yet, or maybe he has figured out um, a Band-Aid for the suspension issues. Um, and then for the 10th gen, yep, very much on my radar. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I agree with you that that's probably my um, my biggest threat. Mm-hmm. Um, I've competed against Ben Linfield with that, and I think he's a great developer. And um, he was one of the younger guys out in Honda in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And he put a lot of effort into that car. And I remember on a really good day, he could out-qualify us. But it's such a heavy front biased car with, you know, the braking 205 horsepower, lots of torque mm-hmm. that um, I, I remember him just continually saying, you can't put big enough tires on the front of this thing to last, you know, 35 minutes. And then obviously our championship race is 45 minutes on a very tight technical track. So, yeah. Um, I, I think those are both really heavy cars with a lot of power mm-hmm. on a very torque hungry track. Mm-hmm. Um, I think in qualifying, I may be vulnerable. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm really focusing on trying to keep myself agile and consistent mm-hmm. on a race pace. And that may be where my strength lies, but um, yeah, they, they're both on my radar. Those are two huge threats mm-hmm. that uh, um, I don't think the community knows a whole lot about. Obviously, most of us are running, um, you know, Integras with some sort of swapping them. Mm-hmm. And uh, these guys are kind of hitting us with two of the wild cards that, mm-hmm. that aren't really well understood. So, yeah, I'm, I'm interested. I obviously have my own ambitions, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, <laughs> we'll see how it plays out. I I, I I don't think I got this in the bag. I, I really don't. Mm-hmm. I, I think it's going to be a great contest, and um, I, I'm really looking forward to it. The, the Mid-Atlantic guys were all really good wheel-to-wheel, and um, I'm really confident in that arena. So um, I think we'll, we'll put on a good show. And that's really what I'm super stoked about, just knowing how big the diversity of, of chassis are going to be in I had on Hone Developments uh, Grant, and he talked about the RSX and what are like kind of the known pitfalls and some stuff that they're designing and coming up with that 
should help uh, address the really bad bump steer that they have when they lower lower the front end. And I've driven an RSX, and I mean, I love it in terms of uh, the styling of it. I think it looks amazing. It has a solid engine. I mean, the engine is awesome. But man, that twitchy rear end is just not confidence-inspiring. Um, but, you know, Scott Adams believes in it, and, you know, uh, I gotta give him credit for uh, trying something new. It's not uh, it's not easy to go out there with something new, especially when you have something tried and true like his uh, DA that he did get. Um, I think um, he qualified at uh, Nationals in P1, at least, I think. Might be I, mistaken. Nah, that was Holden and Morgan. Holden and Morgan had the front row locked out. Okay. Yeah, those are our boys. No, I mean... Uh, in, not in the race, but just like in qualifying, I think, in terms oh, of lap time. I'm not sure. Yeah. I'm not sure. Because I know I know that like late, later on in the race, it, you guys kind of walked away from him. And I know he, he's mentioned uh, how much uh, drafting helps at Daytona, but there's not going to be that issue in this uh, race. So it's really on Scott Adams to be able to... See if he could get the revenge against uh, one of the big dogs from uh, Mid-Atlantic. See if there's maybe an answer back for that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I, I hope he doesn't. But, again, I'll be interested to see what what all uh, plays out when we're out there. Obviously, I, I've never been out there. I've got to learn the track. I've only looked at the track through a VR headset so far. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, I think our car is going to be top notch, ready to go, mm-hmm. um, and I and I feel very well supported by the entire good. East Coast, and um, I think uh, I think it'll be a good a good representation of what what we bring to the table. I and like you you said earlier, I really wish more of us could come out. Mm-hmm. It's a shame, but I'm assuming that they'll announce where Nationals will be next year there, and I would fully expect it'll be at one of the heavy hitter locations mm-hmm. out on the East coast. And, mm-hmm. um, I think next year's nationals is going to be a huge show. And I hope we get everyone from all the regions out here and, uh, really show what, what the East coast Honda challenge group is all about. No, for sure. I, I definitely want to see eventually in the future, just a full field of H2 or just Honda challenge cars all racing in the same group. What, what that entails to be in the future, I, I don't know what it is, but yeah, I, I want to be able to play with you guys. Like, I, I don't want to be sitting out um, just in H4 and racing with the SoCal guys, have like a SoCal Nationals event. Like, that doesn't seem as fun as uh, going up against uh, you guys and trying to play around with you guys. So, that's something that we have to work on in SoCal, and you know. Well, we'll see what happens, but I'm super stoked to finally get to meet some of the people that I've had on the podcast in person, and uh, I'm really looking forward to seeing your car in person, and don't worry, I'll have those uh, tires nicely wrapped up, no dents on them, they haven't, you know, they're in an air-controlled environment, not in the sun, so they'll be ready for you on uh, Saturday. (laughs) Can't wait. All right, um, your business... 32 racing um if people want to reach out to you is instagram still the the best route or what what's the best route Uh, for people sure sure we can do instagram that's fine um yeah 
either that or uh, reach out to me personally or our uh, 32 racing fan page mm-hmm. on Facebook, uh, any of those methods. And, uh, I feel like a lot of people in the community already have my phone number. Mm-hmm. Um, but well, yeah, feel free to reach out in, in your favorite platform mm-hmm. and I will be likely to quickly respond. Yeah. So if you are someone in HPDE and wanting to build yourself up to Honda challenge and are in the mid Atlantic region, that's uh, 32 underscore racing on Instagram. Reach out to him. Great guy. Very knowledgeable. And he'll uh, tell you where the biggest deltas are to get your car in fighting shape. Mr. Baker, I can't thank you enough for being so patient. A um, little bit of the backstory. I had horrible traffic. There was a fire on the way over here. I mean... And previous to that, there was a big rig that got caught on fire and it disrupted our initial recording. So I, I thank you for your patience. I really do appreciate your time. I know it's late where you are, and I'm looking forward to seeing you at uh, Nationals, sir. I can't wait to be there myself. And, uh, yeah, no issues. I, I really appreciate uh, you having us on, and um, I can't wait to be out there in California with you. Awesome. And with that, guys, I will see you next Monday. Thank you.